I heard a story of a pastor that was talking about a time when he was helped with his youth group, fairly large church, and they were playing hide and seek, and it came down to these two kids, and they could not find them. They literally ended up looking for them for over an hour, could not find them at all, and they were just about ready to, like, call, like, call mom and dad type of thing, like, where in the world have they gone? And this pastor talks about how he kind of went into the sanctuary and just stood there in like complete silence. And he heard this. He's like, where is that coming from? And so he just starts going like, you know, search party style, like up and down, like every aisle. And then he heard like bubbles and I was like what in the world so he's like the only place there's water is the baptism one which sat up in the front of the sanctuary and it was kind of like lofted up so he goes up there and he looks down and there are these two boys with straws They had literally been in that water for over an hour, breathing out of a straw in the baptismal. They were the masters of hide and seek. Like, I've never heard of somebody better than that. Like, that is one of the best games right there. Well, if you look in the Bible at Genesis chapter 3, you'll see the first ever game of hide and seek. God had told Adam and Eve to not eat from this specific tree in the middle of the Garden of Eden. But they didn't listen. They ended up eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they immediately felt the shame of disobeying God. And in their anxiety and shame, they tried to cover themselves up. But it says that... the. When, when they heard God walking in the cool of the day, the scripture says that they ran and hid. And God begins to seek out the creation, to seek out his creation by simply asking the question, where are you? You see, God knew exactly where they were. It wasn't a question of God not knowing where they were, but God is calling out to them, asking in the fullest expression of, of who I created you to be, where are you? You see, this is our story, and we know how to hide. We're pretty good at hiding. Today, I want to tell you about Moses because, you see, Moses was really good at hiding. He, he knew a thing or two about hiding. The first thing we do when we see Moses as an adult, you, you know what he's doing? He's digging a hole. For the Egyptian guy he just killed. Our first appearance of Moses as an adult 
is to read about how he went out one day and he saw an Egyptian beating on a Hebrew. And he says this in the Scriptures, in Exodus 2.12, says, looking this way and that, seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. My question for you today is, what are you hiding? What are you hiding? What is that thing that you've buried so deep that nobody else knows? There was this guy named Frank Warren. He had an idea, and he wanted to put out an art project And he lived in Maryland, so he decided to go in in different coffee houses and music venues. And all he did was put a simple postcard on the counter. On that postcard, on one side, it said, Would you share your secret with me? Something you haven't told anyone. Do it creatively and mail it to me. He handed out about 3,000 of these postcards. Sounded like a silly idea. But in 2012, he received a half a million postcards of people sharing their deepest, darkest secrets. And if you actually go to the website today, every Sunday he posts a new postcard. It's postsecret.com if you're interested. So let's look at a few. So this first one, uh, go to the next slide. It says, I'm afraid of women who wear capri pants. <laughs> We're starting out on a light note, by the way. Next one. I give decaf to customers who are rude to me. Everyone's going to start checking their Starbucks now. Next one says, Dear birth mother, I have great parents. I've found love. I'm happy. Next one. The worst thing about self-destructive behaviors is when no one notices. Next one. I've been extremely physically and emotionally abused by my spouse. I have scars from cigarettes put out on me. I'm a man. Therefore, the issue is disregarded as nothing. Next one. I pretend that I pursued my dreams and failed, but really, I never even tried. Next one. I'm not scared of dying. I'm scared of no one caring. What are the secrets buried deep within? What are you hiding? Moses, after he hides the body in the sand, he thinks, okay, I'm free. He goes back to the palace and and because he had such a unique childhood. You see, he was a Hebrew, but his 
mother put him in the Nile River and, and floated him down the river and Pharaoh's daughter found him. But he was so young, Pharaoh's daughter needed somebody to, to nurse the child. And it just so happened that the first woman that she came to was actually Moses' real mom. And so she takes, who she doesn't know is Moses' mom, into the palace. And she nurses her child and she continues to raise her child as her own in the palace of Pharaoh. But you see, Moses had all of the perks of being the daughter or being the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He had all the clothes. He, he went to the best schools. He ate the best foods. While he was getting all of this, his people were right outside the door as slaves, building up the Egyptian empire. Could you imagine the tension that was going on in Moses? On the outside, I, I look like an Egyptian. But when, I, but when he sees the Hebrew people, he sees himself. And when he sees the Egyptian, getting, or the Egyptian beating on one of his own people, he now becomes, like, he becomes Hebrew again. And he realizes that not only is this Egyptian beating on a fellow brother, but he, he's beating on him. Because that's how he identified was as a Hebrew. And so he kills him and he buries him in the sand and he thinks the secret is safe. The next day he goes out and he's watching and sees two of his Hebrew brothers beating each other up. And he goes up to him and he confronts him. And he asks, why are you doing this? You're doing the very thing that you don't want the Egyptians to do to you, but you're doing it to each other. One of the Hebrew men that was fighting looks at Moses and he says this in Exodus 2.14. Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Moses knows my secret's out. And before long, it gets back to Pharaoh what had happened. And it says in Exodus 2.15, When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled. What do we do when the secret comes out? We try to cover it up. We try to run. We try to get away from it. Well, Moses ran to Medinia which was about 375 miles away from Goshen, which was where the Hebrew people were living in Egypt. 375 miles. Well, you see, he had to go pretty far because at the time, Egypt was the power. They, they had the, all the power in the area. And so he had to go pretty far to get away from Pharaoh's reach. And after he had traveled this long distance, it says that he sat down by a well. Moses sat there and he thought, I can, only, I can only imagine that his thoughts were kind of racing. As kind of the intensity of, of the whole situation kind of just 
settles just a little bit. But at the same time, what was he supposed to do now? Well, as Moses sat there, seven daughters of the Midian priest came up to draw water for their flocks. And while these seven women were drawing the water, some shepherds came up and started pushing the women out of the way. Well, Moses, you know, isn't very good in situations when there's conflict. And so he goes up and he confronts these shepherds. And they ask him, who do you think you are? But then they see the bright colors that he wore. Because you see, he still had his Egyptian royalty robe on. And they step back and they see that he's royalty and they just walk away. Because they don't want any part of Egyptians, let alone rulers of Egypt. And so he kind of saves the day. And these seven women invite Moses back to their house and they introduce him to their dad. Good old Jethro. From the Beverly Hillbilly. No, not from the Beverly Hillbilly. Well, Moses ends up staying, and he ends up marrying one of the daughters named Rebecca. And he has a child, and he names him Gershom, which means I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. So now every time he sees this child and calls out this child's name, he's reminded of his past. He's reminded of why he's in the situation that he's in. Moses has this hopelessness, this despair about him. I can't go home. I'm in a foreign land. I have no money, no land. I have the job of a lousy shepherd. You see, a typical shepherd is between the age of 13 and 15 years old. Moses, when he goes to the house of Jethro and becomes a shepherd over Jethro's flock, he's 40. Midlife crisis, I'm 40 doing a job of a 13-year-old. And he does it for 40 years. So he's 80 before he gets out of the 13 through 15-year-old's job. If you understand this story, Moses is running from his past. He's running from something he's done. He's trying to cover up what he's done. And the thing is, we do the same thing. For some of us, we have, a, we have serious addictions or struggles with our finances, marriages, our relationships. We don't want to deal with it. So what happens? We go to the mall and we max out our credit cards, all trying to get rid of the past. For some, it's, it's diving deeper into work 
and we push for more achievements and more accolades. For some, we push everyone away thinking that distancing ourselves from the rest of the world is the answer to our problems. For others, you invest more of yourself into other people. You spend endless hours pouring into other people because you have an inability to say no. But underneath all of this is the past, a struggle, a secret, something that you think you've buried, but it still has control over your life. But you see, many of us live like we don't realize what's controlling us. The truth is we have not, we are, we are not free to hear the whispers of God. We, we miss it when God is calling us to something greater because we're so overwhelmed with the past that we're living in. One day when Moses is out tending to the flock of his father, father-in-law, he sees a bush burning. Now, for us, we immediately think, oh, this is a fairy tale type of thing. But something you need to know about the Middle East, it's hot there. It, it, no, it's not hot. It's hot there. Like, literally, you can watch bushes spontaneously combust. It's so hot there. So it wasn't weird. You know, you and I see a bush burning in the middle of nowhere. You and I run. He's just like... That's another burning bush, right? So he goes toward it. And out of the bush, he hears a voice saying, Moses, calling him closer. Moses responds. <laughs> now we're like, oh, he, he's, now he's gone nuts. He's been with the sheep too long. He responds, here I am. God tells Moses to come closer. And as he gets closer, he says, stop. Because you're entering holy ground. And Moses knows at that moment that there's something different about this bush. You see, Moses has been running. And God is telling him to take off your shoes. Take off the thing that has taken you so far and you've constantly been running and running and running. Take them off. Because now you're in a different place on different ground. It's time to stop running. see, holy ground and a holy moment are wherever you set something apart. Holy ground is when you step aside and say, no longer will I allow that thing to take up such prime real estate in my heart and in my mind. God wants to do the same for us. He wants to set us free because we need to stop running. God tells Moses, I'm sending you back to Egypt. 
I'm sending you back to the place where your past is in the ground. But what does Moses say? Nope. He does exactly what you and I do. He comes up with a list of excuses as why he's not qualified. I cannot speak for you, God, because I stutter. He had a stuttering. He had a speech impediment. He stuttered. He couldn't speak plainly. Who am I to speak for you? They're not going to understand me. They're going to hear my stutter. They're going to stop listening. They're just going to laugh at me. Anything you say through me is going to be a joke. Don't think you've done it. I can't go back to school. I failed over. I failed out the first time. I'm too old. I don't have enough money. I can't be a leader at work. I'm just a nobody. I can't give that much money to the church. How am I going to be able to pay my bills? I can't be a small group leader. I'm too busy. I want to spend time with my kids. I want to be able to, I won't be able to be there every week. So why would I join a small group? I can't lead a Sunday school class or a small group because I don't know enough about the Bible. God is really asking, what is it that you really thirst for? Do you know that thing, that thing in your life that, has, that you've allowed to define your life that's in the ground, that you've buried in the sand and you think is safe and nobody knows about it? But you see, they don't know about it. They don't know the specifics, but they see the shovel sticking out of the ground, marking the spot where you left it. It's visible to everybody. They just don't know what it is. Moses gives in and, said, and God says, go back to the land you came from. Go back to the ground where you murdered the man. Go back. What, that is the perfect picture of what redemption is. It's a picture of redemption. God takes him back to the place where he buried the man that he killed. And said, you know Moses, how you killed that man and you left him there? and you took his life, well, I'm going to use you to bring life to hundreds of thousands of your people. I'm going to use you to set them free. I'm going to redeem that thing in your past. And I'm going to make you whole again. But you see, the thing is, you have to let God redeem you. You have to let God set you free. It's time for you and I to stop hiding and begin to seek. To stop hiding and begin to seek. In the scriptures, it says, seek first the kingdom of God. The word seek in Greek is 
Zeteto, Zeteo, Zeteo, that's it, Zeteo. To continuously seek without stopping. To continuously seek without stopping. You see, we're naturally good at the hiding part. But we're not the best at the seeking part. You know, the thing is, I'm not asking you to send a postcard. I'm not asking you to send me a postcard. I'm not even asking you to confess it to the world. I'm asking you to stop hiding from God and to seek him. What is the thing that you thirst for? What is the thing that we long to have more than anything in our lives? Can we say that it's God? Can we honestly say that that's the priority in our life? You see, that should be our top agenda. To seek that. To seek a relationship with God that cannot be matched. For you. You see, God wants to redeem your life. And not just your soul. He wants to redeem that past that is controlling you today. But we have to be honest with ourselves and with God. Letting him know that, God, I can't hide anymore. I've thought, I've, I've hidden these things from you, but really I've just tried to hide them from myself because I didn't want to deal with them. But in order for us to move forward, sometimes we have to go back to the ground where we buried it and dig it up and allow God to redeem it to bring something beautiful out of something ugly, out of something dark, out of something that was meant to control and power, have power over you. But he wants to redeem it. He wants to redeem the past so that you can live into the fullness of your future. Stand with me. you would just reach out your hands and receive this blessing. Jesus, I thank you that you don't call us to neglect our past, to put it behind us and, and bury the things that are deep and dark and secret in our life. You simply call us to be who we are. Because it's only in inviting you into the mess that you can redeem it. 
God, I pray that you will help us to stop hiding and seek you more. Even if some of us aren't in that place where we're hiding, we can still seek you more. We can still do more to, to grow our relationship with you and build into you. God, help us to see this as a blessing and not a burden, but a time to make life beautiful so that we're living out of our relationship with you instead of trying to find other things to live into. Speak into our lives. Speak into our hearts, Jesus, I pray. Amen.